Hey there, my fellow intellectuals. How are you doing today? I'm your host, Kyle Cabasadis, and welcome back to the 10th episode of Highly Variable. And I hope you appreciate that intro music I played at the very beginning of the episode, because if I'm being honest, it was just a song I really liked that I heard from YouTube, YouTube's audio library. And I was like, hey, that might be a good idea to put in the beginning of the podcast and at the end of the podcast, just to have more energy, more life. And I think that's everything we can all appreciate. So hope you liked it. And today I didn't really have too much to, to talk about in terms of what I had planned. Um, because let's be honest, like we're here in quarantine, at least I'm here in quarantine. We're here in August 2020 in the United States. It's a bit hectic with the pandemic right now. And I'm going to be stuck in my apartment for the next couple of months, at least until 2021. So I guess there's ample time to make more podcast episodes, but I don't want to like just talk about any sort of random thing and just make it boring. I want it to be entertaining. I want you guys to have a good time when you listen to my podcasts. I don't want it to just be, I don't know, something lame. I mean, I'm making it, so how could it be lame, right? Just kidding. I can I can make lame things. I, I will attest to that. So what I wanted to talk to you guys about today was I had a thought recently. And what the thought was, was, you know, I'm in graduate school. And, you know, when you're in graduate school, sometimes you don't have a ton of time to just stop and think about, like, why you are there and, like, think about your existence, I guess, and the, the meaning of everything of of your work and how you even got here. Sometimes it's like you're just thrown into these situations where you become hyper-focused on these monotonous tasks that are that are that are frustrating and sometimes you forget why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I here? And I had one of those moments where I had to sort of step back and think about why am I here and I thought all the way back to about 2012 when I first started taking physics. So my physics journey has been about eight years long now. And I remember one of the most pivotal moments in this journey has been, or was, um, this book I read in high school. Now, the book I read in high school, I actually have a copy of to my right. So I'm going to pull it up here so people on YouTube can see it. Um, if you look at it here, it is A Brief History of Time from the Big Bang to Black Holes by Stephen Hawking. And if those of you who who have not read this book or are not familiar with this book, then it you really need to read this book. It's just amazing. I love this book. This is one of the most influential books I've ever read in my entire life, and I read it all the way back in high school. And so a brief uh, you know, summary of what this book is, it was written by Stephen Hawking, who was an amazing physicist who um, had uh, had a disability. It was like motor neuron uh, disability that confined him to a wheelchair. Uh, and he essentially was diagnosed and, and uh, given like two years to live when he was in his early 20s, like right around my age, probably even younger. And he ended up living for another 50 years and made so many amazing contributions to theoretical physics, particularly with black holes and the idea of Hawking radiation, where black holes would evaporate eventually, um, uh, essentially due to, essentially due to, um, particle antiparticle pairs, um, that would be forming essentially right at the event horizon of the, of the black hole. So, you know, I, I, I really wanted to just sort of step back and think about Stephen Hawking and his contributions and, and what reading this book did to me. 
uh, and how it inspired me. Because now, as a graduate student in physics who does research on black holes, I do observational astronomy, so I, I don't really do the theoretical aspect of black holes and think about Hawking radiation. I'm more in the business of you know, measuring the masses of supermassive black holes and looking at the things that they at, that they um, influence in terms of um, their kinematic and dynamical signatures. So, you know, I, I'm doing things a little bit differently than 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 Stephen Hawking did, but nonetheless, black holes have always been a very, you know, big fascination of mine, and I think you know, reading about them in high school and learning about them through Stephen Hawking's book where he talks, he literally just gives you like a tour of like the, like, like the, like the, like the title says, like a brief history of time as in we start from the big bang and then we move forward in time. And then he goes into things about, you know, his own research, which was on black holes and these ideas of wormholes where you could sort of travel between different points in space time, um, you know, essentially going faster than the speed of light in, 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 in some sense, um so you know these these ideas were always very captivating to me from, from a young age and i think now that i'm here in graduate school and i'm thinking about these things even though i don't really think about wormholes that much i'm thinking more of sort of like the practical you know the the very few practical things you can think about with black holes in terms of measuring them it's still nice to look back and think about sort of the wonder and awe I had about black holes back in the day and one of the things that I've been trying to do recently was um, or is reviewing my general relativity. So for those of you who may not know, I never actually formally took a general relativity class in undergrad or graduate school. I've taken special relativity in undergrad and I took graduate level cosmology in uh, graduate school, which uses general relativity. But I never actually took a formal, formal general relativity course where you just focus on general relativity and spend the whole school term developing its principles from from scratch so um i've been i've been going through a few of the books i have and trying to brush up on understanding the really complicated mathematics of general relativity and just being amazed at how hard this stuff is and how how someone like stephen hawking could do this all in his head because he couldn't obviously pick up a pen and paper um after you know his 20 something birthday because he was just you know he couldn't physically do that and so he was relegated to doing a lot of these advanced calculations on black holes in his head and that just boggles my mind i mean i read textbooks on general relativity and i can't imagine like i can barely picture the symbols in my head right now as to what goes on but he had to do all this stuff in his head and he worked it all out and you know showed that you know based on quantum mechanical arguments that there should be uh, radiation, black hole, or sorry, Hawking radiation that is uh, emitted by black holes. And I can't even begin fathoming that. I kind of want to go and read Hawking's works now because I have read some of his papers, but I've never been a theorist. Like I've never been a theoretical physicist in, in, in the sense that I've been trying to, you know, get to that level of understanding. And so even nowadays, when I read Stephen Hawking's work, it's completely opaque to me in the sense that it's really hard for me to understand because my mathematical tool set isn't quite equipped yet to to handle all the different mathematical techniques he's applying and that's kind of crazy when i think about it i mean it, i mean you know not to not to to flex or brag too much but you know i did do an applied math minor in undergrad and i have a master's degree in physics now and yet 
I'm still very, 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 I think, far behind in terms of how much math I need to fully grasp the 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 arguments he's making in his work. So that will be a fun challenge to try and overcome one day. You know, build up my mathematical formalism a bit more, learn general relativity a bit better and more rigorously to understand these theoretical papers. Because I think a lot of people don't realize, especially if you're not in academia, that like sub subfields that you study. So like I'm in the subfield of black hole mass measurement. Like whatever sort of niche, very specific field you're in, you get very knowledgeable in that area, but your knowledge kind of declines rapidly outside of that domain. You might have a general understanding of what's going on because you may have taken a class and you may have heard something or learned something that sort of applies to whatever research is going on. But just because you've taken a class doesn't mean you're going to understand everything that's done in a research level paper in something that's not your specialty. So for me, for example, right, I don't do you know, general relativity theory. I don't do numerical relativity and understanding, um, you know, the, the kinds of stuff that LIGO does where it detects gravitational waves, which I think is super, super cool, but I'm not like an expert in that at all. So I, when I ever, whenever I read like a LIGO paper result, it takes me a while to really parse that paper because I'm not an expert in that. And I have to sort of take my time and understand, you know, what are the arguments they're presenting and, you know, trying to translate it into a way that I can understand it. So, you know, just because I have a master's degree in physics now doesn't mean I can automatically just sit down and read Stephen Hawking's papers all willy-nilly. I think people who do what Stephen Hawking does or, you know, research in that specific field, they have a hard time, I would say, or they have a, you know, a fairly challenging time, maybe not super hard, not as hard as mine, not as hard as me, obviously, but like they have, you know, they have to take time to really parse and understand the paper. And that goes the same for me in my own field. Like even when, when another group writes a paper um, that's something similar to what I do, I have to take time to read it and try and make sure I understand everything they do. So I know that was a big long thing, but I think it's just something I need to make clear that just because you you know have an advanced degree in some subject doesn't mean you're going to know everything that field has to offer and like can understand the minute details of PhD level research that goes on uh, in those subfields. So... Now that I've made myself super clear, let me talk a little bit about um, just just the black holes that he talked about and like like just the sense of I guess the sense of mystery. I guess the the sense of inspiration. I guess I'm not so sure. I think I just always wanted to learn more about this stuff when I was in high school, and I remember when I was when I was like a freshman in college, I remember tr telling people how interested I was in physics and how I was really into black holes and dark matter and had my own theories of dark matter, which I will not share here because they're just absolutely bogus. But, um, you know, I was really into this stuff. I really was. And I still am in a way. In some ways, though, I think when you go from having sort of popular science level understanding of physics to an actual educational uh, understanding of physics where you actually you know, did a degree or two or three um you sort of realize how i don't know i think i think um sensational i guess maybe that's the word like you it, things can sound very sensationalized when you are sort of in that popular culture pop science mindset because you you really don't know the limitations of what the physical principles are 
And even if it is something that is revolutionary, revolutionary and groundbreaking, when you have a sort of better understanding of that, I think you're able to quantify better in your head what it means in the grand scheme of reality. Um, I hope that made sense because, because, you know, I think, I think sometimes the general public can, can sometimes get carried away with some scientific discoveries or scientific principles, particularly with like quantum mechanics, where there's just a lot of nonsense that goes on where people apply quantum mechanics to places where it doesn't deserve or doesn't it sorry it shouldn't be applied i wouldn't say it doesn't deserve quantum mechanics deserves the highest praise but when people apply quantum mechanics to things that they don't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence like i don't know quantum healing or or whatever some some stuff like that you know like you, you know what i'm talking about there's a lot of that sort of quantum woo stuff going on that i think can get easily applied to other weird fascinating scientific concepts that the general public just doesn't have the 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 background to talk about um you know in a scientific rigorous way so i think i think i'm getting off topic if i'm being honest but i think now it's like obviously the stuff that stephen hawking did is still amazing to me there's no there's no question about it. like what he did and how he did it is still super amazing i think now in some ways as being like a professional academic in training in some ways it's like you sort of see the grind more in terms of you sort of you sort of lose that sense of sensationalism um you had when you were sort of maybe more ignorant of what the field was really all about and so i'm not saying like you completely are never surprised because science is full of surprises but i think it's like you know how to temper your surprise and your enthusiasm uh in a in a reasonable way in the sense that you don't try and you don't fall for um you just you just don't fall for certain um traps i guess like for example when the higgs boson not the higgs boson um what was that it, it was some experiment where like cern uh i think it was it was it cern i think it was at cern where essentially neutrinos were found to supposedly travel faster than light and that kind of threw everyone's um you know plans into turmoil all like every physicist's plans into turmoil um but i think you know i think those kinds of things you're able to handle a bit better than like maybe the general public can because you're like okay maybe you know you can think of ways where maybe they did the measurement wrong and you know how perhaps the neutrinos were supposedly detected to be faster than the speed of light but they they actually weren't so I think that's sort of what I'm trying to get at. Like you're just you're just more uh you're just less susceptible to sensationalism. So um I've been going on about this for a while. I don't even know where I went. I, I, I've just been talking for sixteen minutes now and I don't even know if I got my points across. But let me try and bring it back to high school time. And I think, you know, in high school I didn't really even know that there was a possibility that I could learn these things at all. In college, I mean, obviously these, you know, people like Stephen Hawking and Kip Thorne, um, all these amazing theoretical physicists were were publishing this work, but I never realized that I could actually join them in, in the ranks of being a physicist, right? Like, I didn't think at the time that was possible for me. And it's weird because obviously they were doing it. I just didn't know that I, I could do that, right? I thought, like, perhaps you had to go to some sort of 
really, really special school to do that. Like you had to be super gifted and be like Einstein and, and, you know, be recruited by these people to, to study these really advanced subjects, which is not the case. I mean, you, you can, you can come from a more, I guess, humble beginning and uh, still pursue these subjects, um, which I'm really happy to say that I, I think I am. Um, I, I, I don't know where I'm really going with this, but I think that, I think that there's needs to be, I guess, just more exposure, I suppose, to this kind of stuff and more exposure to the, the fact that you can actually pursue this, these kinds of careers if you're really dedicated and, you know, you really want to do this for a career. And, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could have let high school Kyle know this sooner because high school Kyle was really focused on, I think, the practicality side of education and which I think that is still something you need to consider. I'm not saying you, you can't give up practicality at all because I ended up going to college for mechanical engineering my first year of college because I thought that, well, engineering combines physics and math. And so I can do physics and math and get a good job out of college with an, with an engineering degree and an engineering job. And I wish I had known a bit better that I could actually do physics directly because because I think I'm trying to remember why. Why didn't I think about this stuff? I think I just didn't see a career in it, or maybe my family didn't think there really was a career in it. Um, because I remember doing chemistry. I did AP chemistry in, in in high school, and I passed the AP chemistry test. And I I remember there were talks with my parents when when they when they heard that I had passed the AP chemistry exam. That oh, you know, maybe I could do something with chemistry in college and like chemical engineering or or just straight up chemistry or, or something like that. Something that would lead to a decently paying job that, um, you know, could apply these, you know, uh, these scientific principles and knowledge. And I guess physics just really wasn't, really wasn't, um, uh, I guess the physics I was learning, I should say, just wasn't at that level of where I could see myself studying black holes and, you know, stuff like like that because I mean, honestly because of the, the high school physics you learn right that's sort of you know at most you probably get to electricity and magnetism and you still don't get into things like nuclear physics or quantum physics or you know the stuff where things start getting really weird or relativity i think that i think that the 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 the, the jump between introductory physics to you know black holes dark matter neutron stars white dwarfs all these sort of weird things is so great that there's no there's no way someone who doesn't really know what's going on like for example my parents no parents no offense parents i know you tried i know you did your best and i appreciate it but they i don't think they could have told me oh yeah you could you could do physics and you can go study black holes and supernovae and the galaxy and dark matter and all these sort of things there i don't think there was any way for them to know that and i think that's probably why i didn't go into physics immediately in college because just I didn't know right I just didn't know that how big the jump was and um if I was even smart enough to do it right because I, I I think I mentioned this before but I didn't really get into math and physics until I was about 16 um and I was just completely terrified of math before I was like 16 so I don't know I think that I think that um starting late in some aspects did hurt me because i feel like i could have done more research but at the same time 
I'm not so sure if I would have, if I would have been smart enough to research this on my own at that age. I mean, it sounds like I should have been old enough to to use a computer, and I was, and I did use a computer a lot, but I don't know why. I I just don't know why I didn't think to do that back then. It seems obvious now, obviously, because I'm 25. But when I was 16, it just it wasn't obvious. Do you guys have moments like that where it's just like something that's very obvious to you now, like? Oh, I could have been doing this all my time in high school. I could have just been researching the career I wanted for college and the the kinds of jobs studying physics would lead to. But no, I didn't do any of that, really. Um, I wish I could go back in time. Now I could really use that wormhole that Stephen Hawking was talking about and just go back in time and tell myself this stuff. And I could have a head start. So, yeah. It's actually kind of funny, too, because I remember before I was even really into physics, I was, I remember, I think I just turned 16 and this was still before I was super into physics. Um, I went to the East coast. So I have some family on the East coast in Pennsylvania, which is right next to New Jersey. And I remember I went to Princeton. So I went to Princeton in New Jersey, one of the, you know, one of the Ivy league schools, one of the best schools in the entire world where the Institute for advanced study is. And this is, that's actually where Einstein had spent his last remaining years after um, after World War II. And I remember being in Princeton and seeing a bunch of cool things, like seeing some of their old buildings and stuff. And I was just not interested in knowing the history of like the physics there because I just wasn't into physics at the time. Now that I know that a lot of great physics happened at Princeton over the, the centuries, I'm very sad because I, I didn't take my opportunity when I was actually at Princeton when I was 16 to to really take it all in and appreciate the history that the subject that I've dedicated my life to, you know, where a lot of historical things happened there. So that's one thing I'm going to have to do when I, when I, when I can finally travel more freely again, is definitely to go back to Princeton and uh, just take in the history there. So any, if there are any people at Princeton who want to give me a tour of the place, especially the physics buildings, uh, let me know, reach out and, um, we can hopefully get in contact because I really do want to go back. I really do want to go back and and just appreciate the uh, the history that is there in Princeton. So, yeah, um, I hope that all of this made somewhat of sense. And, um, you know, I, I want to know, like, if you guys are still listening, I want to know sort of like, you know, what got you into physics? What were the books? What were the, you know, who were the people? that inspired you to pursue this path. And even if you're not doing physics directly, even if you're just like a fan of physics, even if you're like someone who does something different than physics, but you know, thinks physics is really cool. You know, why do you think physics is cool? And is there anybody you would cite that, you know, is the primary reason as to why you think it's that way. So I've been talking for almost 25 minutes now. I think that's a good amount of time for a podcast. My throat is getting kind of dry. So I think I will be wrapping up the episode right about now, but Thank you guys so much for listening as always, just listening to me ramble, listening to me talk about whatever comes to my mind. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day or night wherever you are. And I will see you guys in the future. And yeah, that's it. Take it easy, everyone. Have a good one.